0: So I'm going to have a little bit of a rant because, you see, I've done an awful lot of what's called neuropsychological testing. That means there were three hours of me sitting down with a psychologist and doing all kinds of tests. I had to try and remember a story that I was told. I had to tell it back instantly, then after 10 minutes, then after 20 minutes, and then um, later they checked to see what I could remember of it. I had to add up numbers and say lists of numbers backwards and look at um, things randomly scattered on a page and try and put those in order, copy designs, all sorts of things. Now, that's come up with a profile of how my cognition is at the moment. In the main, I'm kind of average for my age, but that's not necessarily so good because... I'm somebody who's a graduate. I went through years of education and i worked in a fairly intellectually demanding job. So I ought to be coming up higher than that. And it shows that there are particular problems with things like my working memory and my verbal memory. So sometimes I'm struggling to remember names. I get a picture of something in my head, can't remember the name of it. And it's causing me difficulties like um, missing appointments and missing times for things because yes i'm writing these things down but writing in itself doesn't seem to actually help me very much at the moment now i would have thought that having this level of detailed information about me the system would then go aha here's what you can do but it doesn't seem to work like that because it's the psychologists have found that out but the OTs don't necessarily talk to a psychologist, don't necessarily talk to a neurologist. So no one person seems to be paying a lot of attention to this. And I dream of a, of a website or an app or something where people of, with cognitive goodies could, could feed in their profiles. And up would come lists of helpful suggestions. What seems to happen at the moment is that people get in touch with each other and go... Have you tried using an Alexa speaker or have you tried setting alarms on your phone? Well, I don't think it should be up to us. I suspect that, you know, research has been done. We need to know what the results of that research is so that we can more effectively run our lives. Otherwise, what was the point of all of those hours that I sat with the psychologist for? They're just wasted. turning into an interesting kind of week. Monday I, I met some people. I went out and I met some real live human beings. It wasn't a Zoom call. I didn't have to turn the audio on or turn the Wi-Fi on or anything like that. Genuine other human beings, people my own age, also with problems with Alzheimer's or dementia and it was, well it just felt life-changing to me really. To come across people with my own condition and be able to say, I can't quite describe what this is like, but, and people say, Yes, we know what you're saying, we know what you're thinking. It was just, just absolutely wonderful. And it's a group I think I will go back to. It was quite something. And then yesterday, the occupational therapist came and uh, gave me a present. She gave me a special clock. Which has a very large digit uh digital display giving the the day and the date and the time, the only thing is I'm convinced it has Alzheimer's because it's already gone wrong, it's already telling me the wrong time, and that does worry me have they have they somehow managed to to get this? clock to be diseased, its own horological form of dementia. I don't know. I also have a memory book which is like a a diary come a journal that I I have to write in um, to help me try and remember things, um, both uh, appointments and things that I have done. So that's something I have to do every morning and and every evening. And it is interesting actually, the the whole thing about physically writing things down does seem to to help me somewhat so um i'm feeling feeling more positive than i have been i think really but it has just been so amazing to meet real human beings after all of this time it's been a pretty odd sort of week really Started off well because I went along to a group that I've been going to with other people with Alzheimer's and I just find that so nice to be able to meet people, especially face-to-face, with similar conditions. And um, I had a bit of a drive round. Um, Afterwards, I'd found my own way there, by car, and that felt really liberating to be able to do that. Then I had, on the theme of liberation, my second vaccine dose on Tuesday. The problem with that is that in the middle of the night I woke up with an aching arm and then for the next two days I felt absolutely rubbish. Really not so good at all, but it's a small price to pay, isn't it? Paracetamol got me through. Then yesterday in the morning um, I had a couple of sessions on Zoom with, um, with peers, people who, like me, have neurodegenerative diseases. That felt good then the nurse came. Now there is some good news because I'm on medication and that seems to be having a good effect and it's not having dreadful gastric side effects which means the dose can be increased and generally it seems to have perked me up but she said that there was a misunderstanding about me driving and that rather than me having a one-year license that's uh, renewed annually actually I've got to give up driving. Somehow wires got crossed and the DVLA should never have told me that I can drive and it's a bitter blow to be honest because I've been driving since 1976. I've had exactly one accident which wasn't terribly serious although I still kick myself because I, I know it was my fault and I think of all the different cars I've had my bright orange Beetle. Pink Renault 5 that we called the Blumange because it wobbled when it went round corners. Well, when we could get it to start, that was, which was quite an achievement. A Renault Maxi, that was a mistake. Mitsubishi Galant that I had for years. That was the car that, unfortunately, I had the accident in. And now my, my crusty little Yaris hybrid. But um, it seems like I, I might never drive it again. But there's a chance I can appeal. The trouble is that to do that, I'd have to be tested and the test centre, the assessment centres not open at the moment. And anyway, there'll be an enormous backlog when it does reopen. So that's a bitter blow, really. After that, there was an online art session and I enjoyed that a lot. There's a lovely lady called Melissa that set up this organisation and she sends out art packs to people with dementia, so in the post I got a packet, a parcel with numbered packages in, opened up number one, and it was a process called cyanotyping, which is kind of like um, printing onto a photoreactive film, and that was enormous fun and perked me up a bit, but uh, it is a blow having to give up driving, all because of me damn eyes seeing things that aren't there. Still, that's life. I have to say, I'm feeling really a bit fed up at the moment. According to to the latest data from Israel, um, I've got both my COVID vaccinations. I'm 95% safe, and so I guess uh, most people with um, Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia, we've probably all had our jabs. But... No services seem to be open and nobody can tell me when they're open. I've rung a helpline, they say, here's another number. I ring the other number, they say, we don't know. But it will happen sometime. Well, pubs are open, shops are open, schools are open, cafes are open, leisure centres are open. What the heck is happening? And why doesn't anybody seem to be terribly bothered about it? I don't understand really. You hear a lot about charities um not having made money, charity shops closing and all of that during the pandemic. You're not hearing so much about the services which haven't happened. What the heck have people been doing? I'm not sure. Maybe they've been very very busy and they're still doing things online and all the rest of it. But it's odd to me, to be quite frank, and I'm might be 95% Protected, I'm 100% fed up. For some reason last night I started listening to Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield, the big 1970s hit, all recorded and released by one man, and it made me feel really nostalgic. Suddenly I was back in the flat of a young lady that I was friendly with when I was at university. Uh, we had a seat snog once, she had a steady boyfriend, I had a steady girlfriend, but... Uh, well, it never went anywhere. What happened to her? It made me realise that we are our memories. We have a sum total of every girl we've ever kissed, every friend we've ever had, every job we've had, every car we've ever had, the Renault 5 that would never start, the Austin Maxi with the awful gearbox, the bright orange Volkswagen Beetle that was my first proper car after the Reliant three-wheeler I try very hard to forget about. It's only when you're told you've got Alzheimer's that you really start to think about your memories. Mine are relatively intact because my hippocampus is spared, but there is a threat that the atrophy that I've already got in my parietal loaves could spread. My memories could disappear. And I realise I want to hang on to them. I I want to put them somewhere. I, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know whether I should talk more to my sons about my my life before I met their mum, before they were born. I don't know if I should talk more to my former colleagues working in BBC Radio about our early times, life before digital when you had to edit tape with razor blades and sticky tape. I'm just not sure. But it makes me realise that I've kind of put aside the old me. I've, I've, I think I've stopped mourning the old me. I've started to reconcile myself to the new me, the the new me with Alzheimer, the new me with this disease, the the me who might start to lose his memory, who've lost some memories. I'm getting more forgetful about where I put things. I've lost my glasses at the moment. And it makes me more glad about the people I know now, the, the friends I've made in a peer support group, who 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 I feel I love. Because we don't have to explain things to each other, we just say, Oh, I'm feeling sort of... and everybody nods, and... We just understand. It's a funny old business, this. Listen to that. Can you hear it? There's birds. There's a cow mooing somewhere. Sometimes you can hear some sheep. I'm on the island of South U.S. in the Outer Hebrides, and it's so peaceful and tranquil here. Hardly any car noises, no sirens, no jet planes. It's a it's a wonderful way of life. Today there's an article being published about me in a um, publication in Northamptonshire. And it makes me think, I guess, about where I am, about my condition, about Rodney, about all sorts of things. Yesterday I had some interesting new visual phenomena. Just after I'd looked towards the dawn... I got these pink and purple and yellow spots in my left field of vision. Uh, Strangely, they don't seem to have come back very much, but I am told that after images are something which can affect people um, with Alzheimer's and vision difficulties. I'm now in touch with an organisation who actually um, deal with children who have cortically generated wonky vision, so I'm hoping to do some arts work with them. I've been thinking a lot about um, Dementia Action Week, because um, or Activism Week, as I seem to have called it on Twitter. I'm not sure which is right, because so much seems to be doom and gloom. I mean, there's a big story today about how people with dementia um, get taken into casualty, into A and E, because uh, care systems can't cope with them. And there's a, um, a very touching. Video that's been put up by, I think, the Alzheimer's uh, Society um, by a lady struggling to cope with caring for what I take to be her husband. But what we don't seem to concentrate on ever is what people with progressive brain diseases can do. Okay, so I can't drive, but I can still paint. It's taken an effort to relearn, to motivate myself through music, but it has happened. My friends write poetry and film each other and run a radio station and do amazing things. But all the time we seem to see dementia as loss. My friend Ruth, um, Ruth McCabe, she's a, she's a nurse and she's a wonderful person. And she talks about how you have to come to terms with losing the person you once were and embracing the person you now are with dementia. So I was Willie Gilder Mark 1, actually probably Mark 28 or something. I'm now Willy Gilder Mark 2. I can't do some of the things I used to do. I can't drive. I probably can't organise myself enough to do interviews with people. Never was very good at organisation. But I can do lots of stuff. And I can wang on about dementia a lot, as I did in this interview, which means that some people are now probably listening to this podcast for the first time. But I think we should do far more to concentrate on the positive, to talk about what people with dementia can do, not what we can't do, because we need to concentrate on that. It's really, really important. We need to concentrate not on the fact we're dying, we're dying slowly, we have a terminal disease, but on what we can do today, tomorrow, The next day the pictures we can paint, the poems that we can write, the books we can write, the people we can love. It's tough, it's not an easy gig, but together we can probably get there somehow. If you've listened to a number of these podcasts, you might realize that I've stopped putting music underneath my voice. Putting music under a voice is an old radio technique because voices are boring and music isn't, so it kind of jazzes it all up. But I was on a zoom call and uh, with lots of people, including um folk with dementia, and my mate Jerry, hi, Jerry who's desperate to lose weight, so encourage him please, happened to mention uh, about a film that was shown to us all during the Zoom pool, that the film had music as well as voice. And he found that really, really hard to process, but he can't separate out uh, music and voice. And changes to our senses is one of the things that perhaps doesn't get talked enough about um, for people with dementia, people with progressive brain illness. So I'm seeing things that aren't there. In my left eye, I've got the grey blob, and sometimes I have the purple spots. I'm calling my left eye Haze, or Hendrix, after Purple Haze. Um, In my right eye, I see hairs in the bath and shower. So I'm calling my, my right eye Hair, or I might call it Dawning of the Age of Aquarius. I'm a 60s kid, really. Anyway, Jerry said, please don't put music along with words when you make films, because it causes him problems. So I'm going to stop doing that. And if you want some music, well, put some on yourself and uh, just listen to me anyway. We are leaving South Uist today, and I think I do so with a heavy heart. I was here last year, and I wasn't in a very good place mentally. I hadn't yet been diagnosed. I knew there was something wrong with me. I didn't know what it was, and I was profoundly depressed. I couldn't appreciate the the natural beauty of the place. But this time round, not only do I see how beautiful it is, but it's the connectedness between people that struck me. I was talking yesterday to Angus, who's the skipper of a boat that took us out whale-watching, and I asked him if he'd ever think about leaving the island. He was adamant he wouldn't. And when you talk to people, they all know each other. They genuinely know each other. Many of them are related. But it's the way that in the pub, when they say us homemade meringues on the menu and the person with us said, well, was that Mrs Campbell's meringues? And I go, yes. I think there's something really special there, something excellent about how people know each other and look after each other that maybe we've lost when we live in the big cities. And that for those of us who are now mentally challenged, who have our senses challenged in some ways, that becomes increasingly hard. So, it kind of takes a village to look after people, doesn't it? And this is one big village. Thank you South East, for being a lovely place. So it's 20 past three in the morning and I've just woken up and I feel absolutely frightful. I have to confess, I went to bed early, I had an hour's sleep, I woke up and I have read a book for ages. But the real problem is I've had the most awful, awful, terrible nightmare. And it's one of the things that, again, you tend not to hear so much about, about Alzheimer's, that people with the disease can have very disrupted sleep and the most vivid dream. I can't can't piece together what last night's dream was about. I was in the army and I was under shell fire and then I was cross-dressing and then I was in a wood having to climb trees to stop them from being struck by lightning. And oh, it was so confused and confusing. And I woke up and I was in such a state of terror but I couldn't bring myself to go back to sleep. I've actually had to get up and get myself a cup of tea and I might read a bit more of my book. Because I don't want to be back in that awful nightmare world. It um, doesn't happen every night, this. But it happens enough for it to be really disruptive. Uh, more Alzheimer's they don't tell you about. I'm going to have a little bit of a rant now, I'm afraid. You see, I'm fed up with organisations that say that they're all about providing services and campaigning on behalf of us folk with Alzheimer's and other forms of neurodegenerative disease. But if you look at who provides those services, you look at the makeup of those organisations, and hardly any of them have got any people with dementia on their executive committees or their steering committees or their trustees or anything like that. Time after time you check through these organisations, there are professors of this and doctors of that and they all claim to be experts. Well, I'm sure they've done a lot of studying They don't really know. They don't really know what it is to see through my wonky eyes, to experience the changes to the world that my brain generates so that I don't see things as they actually are. They don't really know what it is to experience the memory problems that some of my friends have. They don't really know what it is to have this disease. What they know is what they've studied. And fine... I'm not necessarily knocking that, I'm not knocking necessarily the services and the good intentions of these organisations, but if you were running a feminist organisation, you would, I think, involve women. If you were running an anti-racist organisation, you would, I think, aim to involve people of all different colours. So, even if you just had a token person, it would be good. A few places do that. Some go slightly further, but most seem to just ignore us. Well, it's not good enough. The suffragettes marched more than a hundred years ago. We've long established the principle of involvement. We've long established the idea that people shouldn't speak on behalf of others, and I don't want people to speak on behalf of me. I see too many conferences about dementia which actually turn out to be conferences for people who care for people with dementia. I've seen too many statements of oh dementia is so frightful which actually turn out to be statements about how care is so difficult. We want to be talked about ourselves, we want to be talked with, we want people to come to us. It might be hard Perhaps somebody sitting on your committee with dementia may need support. Well, yes. But isn't that the whole point? Isn't that what you're campaigning for? So please, organisations that claim to be about dementia, could you get your act together? Because I intend to moan and I intend to be stroppy and I'm going to keep going until we have some real change. so it 's four o'clock in the morning, and i've just woken up in a state of complete and absolute terror. I was um fighting for duvet, knowing that I was trapped in killer tinsel in the um in the Albert Hall, which is also Hamley's toy shop at christmas time i'd been there overnight because I had to go there um, to do a French exam, all a bit confused and confusing and quite scary. Uh, apparently the um, the anti-Alzheimer's medication I'm on can actually make bad dreams worse and Alzheimer's gives you bad dreams anyway. The answer is take it in the morning, only that can give you giddiness and I get giddy enough. So I think I'm doomed to have these awful dreams. The other problem is that I seem to have a, a new issue with my eyesight that I'm getting Lots of blurry, um, blurriness at the outside edge, the outside right edge of my right vision. So that's not good. Not feeling too great, really. Try not to get outside, if you can possibly avoid it. Not a lot of fun. You get to do podcasts and stuff, but you can do that anyway. I found myself thinking about death and dying today. It's very much sparked by um, reading uh, something put out by uh, my friend Michael Hornberger at Dementia Science, who is talking about the suicide risk of people newly diagnosed with dementia. And it seems to me that once we're told we have this disease, we're not really given the support we need. You see, we're being handed a time bomb, and the time bomb is ticking but the display is blank. Nobody can tell us how many years or hours or minutes we have to live. We're being told that we have a disease which might kill us, that we'll progress. But we're not told what the speed is of the progression. We don't know when we might go gaga. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know when we're going to die. We just know that it's looming out there sometime. And then friends seem curiously reluctant to talk about this. I I talked about my funeral the other day and somebody told me not to be so morbid. But we know we've got that time bomb. And I think People with dementia need a bit more help processing all of this. You see, simultaneously, I'm looking backwards and I'm looking forwards. I'm looking backwards and I'm grieving for the person I used to be. I'm grieving for the fact that I can no longer drive. I'm not so independent. I have to rely on other people. And I'm worried and I'm grieving for the future. I'm worried about what will happen to me. Will I get to a stage of being hopeless? Will I have to go into a care home? When will I die? How will that be? Will I get to be drooling and not recognise my own sons? It's possible. I just don't know. And nobody seems able to tell me. Now my hunch is that if I was being told that I had a diagnosis of terminal cancer, somebody might be offering me more support to process all of that. But with dementia, it seems like you're on your own. There's no cure. Medicine can't do anything. It can offer us pills to kind of make us feel a bit better. And in my case, those pills work. I mean, I do feel better than I did three months ago because of the particular medication I'm taking. But the pills don't stop the neurodegeneration. That Rodney rat inside my head is still nibbling away. The only problem is neither I nor anybody else knows how fast he's nibbling. So, it could be that this time next year, I'm just exactly how I am now. It could be that this time next year, I've degenerated. I'm not so capable. Things I can now do, I won't be able to do. I just don't know. I've no idea. And coping with all of that is quite hard, really. None of us know what the future holds. But those of us with dementia know we've got the ticking time bomb. In the Bond films, the bomb is always diffused with about five seconds to go, isn't it? I mean, it's a dreadful cliché. But imagine if, when you're trying to diffuse the time bomb, you don't know how many seconds there are. That display is blank. Well, that's how it is for all of us. Tough, really.